Well, if you will, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 4, and uh, let's read verses 21 and 22. I want to share a message with you that uh, I've entitled Priceless. You might want to even address somebody after church. You might want to find yourself going up to someone and saying, you know, you are priceless. Maybe you want to, when you get this afternoon in front of the mirror after church sometime, maybe you go out to eat and you get home, look in the mirror and say, you are priceless. The good thing that God's been dealing with me about is my value isn't based upon my performance, upon what I even think of myself as a matter of goodness or a measure of goodness, but the fact that he loves me gives me value. And aren't you glad that he values you so much that he sent his son to Calvary's cross for you? It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what's gone on in your life in the past. He loves you so deeply that you are of such great value that he would give Christ. My goodness, you are loved. You are priceless. You are valuable. You're so important. I'm thanking God for that today. Thanking God for that. Well, Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, And going on from thence, he saw two other uh, brethren. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Jesus is calling them to become his disciple. And the Bible says they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Mighty God, I just want to thank you for for your word. I want to thank you for the day that you called me. Each one of us in this room had a moment in time where you called them. Your voice called out to them. Your spirit drew them. They repented of their sins. They gave their life to you. They followed after you. Thank you for that day, God, that you reached out to us in our our mess and in our muddle and in the middle of maybe catastrophe. And you saved us and delivered us and set us free. Oh, God, thank you for the day that you put value upon our lives. And you made us, you made us, oh, God, who we are today. Even as, as, as Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I want to thank you for that great grace today. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. 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 I love the Pastor Mark as he was receiving the offering, his statement that, uh, that they gave their way toward their future that we can actually give into it. To think that God would, would do that, that, that coming and encountering Christ, even giving to the work of the Lord, can change everything going forward. If you remember the day that you gave your heart and life to God, there were probably a lot of circumstances that led to that. Things that were going on in your life, maybe someone was praying for you and interceding for you, or maybe a mom or a grandmother or somebody that really loved you was praying that God would get a hold of you and turn your life around. And somehow the Lord orchestrated things and he reached out. And just like in this passage, he called you. He called your name. He called you to himself. And immediately, the moment that that happened, everything changed. God sets your life on a brand new course, on a new path and a new direction. I don't know how many of you have ever thought about it. If you're a Christian in this room, have ever thought about the fact of how different your life would be had Christ not saved you, washed you in his blood, and drew you out of the world. 
Is there anybody in this room that is just right now just wants to give God thanks and praise for the change He brought to your life, your destiny, your future? Oh, my goodness. Some of us would, would already have been out. We'd have lost our lives. Some of us would have lost our family. Some of us would have lost our health. God has saved and delivered and healed. And there's so many miracles in your life right now. There's too many to count. You're probably not as thankful as you ought to be for all God has done for you. Sometimes he does great things for us and we literally forget about it the next day. He provides a job for us, and we stop giving thanks after 24 hours. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. He brings people into our life that turns us around, and we forget all about it, and we stop giving thanks. But if you'll remember, if you'll recall, if you'll go back, if you'll think how different it could be, you'll want to jump to your feet and shout hallelujah and throw your hat over the windmill and take a lap around the church. You thought just for a moment how good God's been to you. What a good God. And in this text, that's what's happening. He, Jesus is calling disciples to follow him. He, in the previous verses, as a matter of fact, he called Peter and Simon Peter and his brother Andrew to follow after him. And uh, Pastor Robbie's preached about that here just recently. And they left their nets and they got a great um, gathering of fishes. And they, they, so much so it broke their nets and they went to follow him. And then in the next couple of verses here in our text is... He's calling James, uh, not just Simon and Andrew, but James and John. And when he calls them, he calls them out to follow after him. But in our passage, it's a little different than it was with, with Andrew and Simon. Because in this passage, Jesus goes a step further and he describes it this way in Matthew. He says that when he called them, that they immediately left the ship and their father. That phrase, and their father, is uh, significant in that because... They were evidently, it was a family fishing business, and it wasn't uh, just the two brothers that were called, James and John, but there was a sacrifice being made by the family. It points out that they didn't just leave their ship and their nets, but they left their father. Sometimes when you give your life to Christ, you, you find that old relationships, uh, you, 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 they're, they're abandoned. You're not able to continue with the same people around you all the time, and I think that may be the hardest thing is to realize that giving our life to Christ and following after Him, it, it, it might mean that we can't be with, around uh, people that we love and people that we care as much because our life changes and, and, and they see that change. And it's not so much that we don't want to be around them, it's just that, that following Jesus requires us to go after Him and in going after Him, other people can't make that journey with us. Many of you experienced that when you came after the Lord. And it's a difficult decision for a lot of people. In this room right now, there are husbands and wives who gave their heart to Jesus and their spouse decided not to. But at some point, they had to make a decision to just keep going after Jesus, even, even though they might be going to church alone or bringing their children by themselves. I want to say to you a huge pat on the back and God bless you. You're not the only one who did. At the very beginning, there were people like James and John who left their father, left a business, left their finances, left where their life was headed because the Lord had a different plan for them and a different path for their life. And so they, they found themselves going after God, putting Him first, making Him the highest priority in their life because he said, I'm going to make you not just, I'm not, you're not just going to be a fisherman, you're going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to call you out of this world so that you can lead others after me. So you're going to follow me so that as others follow you, 
they too follow Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It's, it's one thing for us to step out and follow after Jesus, but when we do, a significant thing happens in our family. It is, it is the statistics show us, uh, recent statistics, that when, when a, a child gets saved, say through a, a youth program and gets saved, that in, in, the, in that case, about 5% of the, of the family, parents uh, will come along and join the church because the, the child did. About 5% will even follow their children into uh, a walk after God. Isn't that an interesting thing? They become a fisher of men, even their own parents in some cases. When a wife follows the Lord and gives her heart to God, the chances increase that uh, nearing between 40 and 50% of those, when a woman follows after the Lord, eventually their husband will follow and their children follow after that in the Lord. But in 95% of cases where men give their heart to God, their wife gives their heart to God, and the entire family give their heart to God. I want to challenge men to understand that when you are called, you're not just becoming a follower of Christ, but we all have to recognize that we are also a leader of men. When we give our life to the Lord, there are those that will follow us as we follow Christ. And so he said to, the, to James and John, I'm calling you. Now they left some things, but their family would eventually follow after them. And so when they took that step to follow, the Bible says he said to them, I will make you fishers of men. You follow me, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. So when you follow the Lord, then others will also follow you. That means that you matter. You have great value to the Lord. In other words, when you give your life to Jesus, you're not just uh, getting the smoke of, of hell off of you. You're not just getting, the, getting out of the flames. You're also rescuing others. You don't even realize it. When you make that commitment to the Lord, there will be others that will escape hell because you made a decision to follow Christ. Somebody ought to be giving God praise right now. That's how valuable you are. That's how important you are. You're not just called out, but you're called unto a work for Christ. He calls you to be an example, to be a leader of, of others. And, and that calling of God is a high honor. My goodness, to be able to follow after Jesus in his victories, in his temptations, in his trials, and even in his tests, to take up a cross and in the same way he took up a cross and to follow after him, to be willing to sacrifice and give yourself to the cause of Christ, even though it means I won't do some things I used to do. I won't go some places I used to go. Uh, there may be some relationships that might turn and walk away from me, but I, I recognize that people are watching me now and they're going to follow my example. And my calling isn't just to follow Christ, but it's to recognize that I follow him so that others will follow me as I follow Christ. Hallelujah. So they left not only their their nets but the scripture makes special mention of the fact they left their nets their boats and their father leaving not only their old occupation but their family as well sometimes one of the most difficult things about following Jesus is the realization that it may mean losing friends only to gain them later on and influence them as they watch our life and they come to know Christ and so the initial pain that we might feel of, of loss of relationships is rewarded when that first person that we used to run around with in the world finds Jesus. And we're able to lead them to Christ and pray them through to salvation. Can somebody shout hallelujah? 
what a blessing it is to see that. Then it all comes full circle and we realize, oh, they are following me as I have followed Christ to become more than a follower. And I want to say this to you as well, to understand that, that when you give your life to Jesus, to be his disciple, to be a leader of men and women, you're also willing to do that, but, and we should be if we want to be a vessel that he can use. But you might be, consider this, you could be influencing the next youth pastor, a, a teacher, an evangelist, a, a church planner, a missionary. You never know who will follow you as you follow Christ. The impact that you might have. They may have greater influence in the kingdom than you had. You may have only influenced one or two and they may influence thousands. And so when you recognize how valuable you are, how important you are, you don't discard your life. You, do, you don't look at any individual life as, as, well, they don't count or they don't matter or I don't count or I don't matter. Suddenly you realize how valuable they are because it could turn everything around for a nation. You don't realize, see, somewhere, such as at Asbury, somewhere there was a young person leading worship that was so passionate about God, it infected some students around them. And then that infected some more, and that impacted others. We all want revival, but we've got to recognize that one by one, we are an instrument of revival. Hallelujah. And so God wants to take our passion, take our heart, and use us as a follower after Christ to cause others to follow after Him as well. And so when He sets you to Himself, you are called to become a fisher of men. That's a beautiful thing. I'm a follower of Christ. But I, He said, follow me. And I'm doing that. But He also said, hallelujah, I want to make you a fisher of men. And so to become that, to the honor of that, oh, what an honor and privilege it is to be called to be a fisher of men. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 19 to 21, there's this beautiful challenge where God talks about setting us apart. When, when you give your life to Jesus, He literally pulls you out of the crowd, pulls you out of the boat, pulls you out of that business, pulls you unto Himself, and sets you apart. If you can, you can picture it, it's like He picks you up in one place and He sets you in another. And, he, and you say, I was going this way. And He says, yes, but follow me. And it's, it's a totally different direction. And that's, see, that's what repentance is. Repentance is a turnabout. It's, it's turning completely around from the way you were headed hallelujah, to follow after Jesus in a completely different direction. True repentance means I was doing these things and I didn't feel the least bad about it, but I met Jesus and suddenly I'm convicted and I realize I can't go that way anymore. Oh, hallelujah, I've got to go this way. And so when I become a follower of Christ, I am set apart. I'm pulled out of the crowd. I'm set to be something different. The total opposite of what you see in this world. Everybody in the world right now, if you turn on social media, they're all trying to be like one another. And they're canceling each other out. If you're not like me, cancel you. And you don't like, cancel you. I'll ca cancel all of you. <laughs> and so we just, that's, that's the world's idea. But in the kingdom, it's like, it's like you come after Christ. And when you come after Him, hallelujah, you're following after Him. He expects you to be a, an influencer, but in a different way. You're not trying to gain followers. You're not trying to gain followers on Instagram. You're trying to get followers after Christ. And so we're, we're wanting to influence people for the kingdom and bring people to know Jesus. And so it says he sets us apart. The foundation of God stands sure having this seal. This is great. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Aren't you glad he knows you? 
let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, there's a purpose in that. Sometimes we look at it as a follower of Christ and say, well, there goes that legalism stuff. They're going to tell me I can't sin. And I like to sin. So I'm in one of them churches that's going to tell me I can't sin. Well, that's true. This is one of those churches where we... But here's, here's what the scripture says. He knows that we're his, but he asks us to depart from iniquity. Isn't that awesome? Follow me, he says. Because how many of you realize Jesus isn't walking into iniquity? He's not walking into sin. Is there anybody in this room glad that he's not leading you to hell? If you follow Jesus, you can't get to hell from there. He's not giving out directions. Here's a map to hell. He's not doing that. If you don't know the way, just follow me. No, it's not like that at all. If you're behind his GPS, he's taking you straight to heaven. Can somebody shout hallelujah? He's leading you out of iniquity. And so just in following after him, our life changes. And that's where, that's where we have such impact. It goes on to say, but in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but wood and of earth, and some to honor, some to dishonor. Everybody say vessels. If a man therefore purge himself from these, speaking of iniquities, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, that's set apart, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So I, he knows I'm his. He just wants to use me. He wants to take my life and so totally change it that I have an impact on everybody I meet. He wants there to be a, such a stark change and marked difference in my life that people notice it, that they see it, and that they desire it. And I don't know about the rest of you, but with Jesus in my life, that's something to desire. Can you shout glory to God? And here's what he does. He sets us apart according to the word of the Lord. He sets us apart. Today in this room, no matter your position, career, or calling, no matter what you're doing in life for a living, he sets you apart as a genuine Christian for three purposes. The first is you are set apart for his honor. He's follow me. I want to get honor in your life. You're set apart to give him honor, but you're set apart also to show his honor to other people. 2 Timothy 2 and 21 says that we shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified in that verse. A vessel unto honor sanctified and set apart. And so the disciples' lives would later bring honor to the name of Jesus in their life and even in the way they died. All but one of them would be martyred, give their life for the gospel. And the one who, who lived out his natural life and died of natural causes, they tried to kill him. He'd been boiled in oil. He spent a few years on a prison island called Patmos. But all of the others themselves had been martyred for the gospel's sake. And so they lived their life to honor the Lord. And even in their death, they refused to dishonor him. <laughs> and so they committed themselves so to be a fisher of men, to be a follower of Christ, that their impact. Today, there is a church healthy in India to this day because of Thomas, doubting Thomas who followed and obeyed the Lord and found himself in India and was there preaching the God. He was preaching when they martyred him. He was preaching to them and sharing the gospel when they transfixed him 
which means literally they ran through him with a spear and pinned him to the side. There's a place there called the Mount of St. Thomas, and there's where he died. Get preach, and while the spear went through him, pinned to this mound, he kept preaching to them of the great love of God and how much God loved, loves them. <laughs> and so in that nation right now, in, in spite of taking, he died with such honor that it impacted so many that there's a Christian testimony in a predominantly Hindu nation. Somebody ought to be giving God a praise offering right now. And so he honored God. The disciples did that. We too must honor God with our life by living in honor to him. Matthew 5 and 16, the scripture says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Is that, is that cool? That they may see your good works. Because we're not saved by good works, but God wants people to see it. And so he says, let me take you and set you apart for my honor. That you live in such a way that people see your good works. And look at what it goes on to say in Matthew 5, 16. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. In Isaiah 43 and verse 7, the Bible says, Even everyone that is called by my name. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. Everybody who, so you're not exempt from this. Everybody who gives their life to Jesus has been called <laughs> for his glory. I have called them to reveal my glory. It's the intent of God when you follow after him that you live for his honor. And then the second thing is that he says, I've called you to myself. You're, you're priceless because you're to live for my honor. You're so much value to me. I need you to reveal my honor. Live in a way that honors me. And you're priceless because not only that, I have set you apart from my hands. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 20. One, the Bible says, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Let me finish that verse. Sanctified or set apart and meet for the master's use. Prepared unto every good work. Meet for the master's use. Prepared unto, he puts his hands on us. I don't have time to read it, but if you turn to Jeremiah 18 and read the first six verses, you'll see that he is described as the potter, our heavenly father. And he sets us as a potter would a vessel upon the clay. And he prepares us with his hands. <laughs> and so we are prepared by his hands, prepared for his hands. And so he literally, we become his hands extended. The old time preachers, maybe you grew up in an old time preacher church. And you heard them say so many times that we are Christ's hands extended. And that's truly because he shapes us. He puts us on the wheel, shapes us by his hands and shapes us for his hands and for his glory. And when he takes us out, he pours himself in us. Hallelujah. And pours himself out of us. We become a vessel that he lives in, that others are ministered to by. And so he says, I am set you apart for my honor, but I've also called you to follow after me so that I can set you apart for my hands. Let me shape you and change you. There's a tad bit of stubbornness in all of us that just says to God, I'm fine the way I am. I like me like this. My daddy was this way. My mama was this way. My mama was this way. And I'm this way. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to change me. But God says, no, that's, I called you so that I could change you. <laughs> and one of the most humbling things to admit when you become a Christian is, oh, Father, I need changed I need so much change in my life, in my attitudes, in my spirit. I want to change. I want you to make a change in my life, and I want you to do it by your hands. 
Because he's the only one who, as we sang earlier, he's the only one who can. And so he's the one who can change you and shape your life and make you what he's called you to be. The Greek word there in, for the word meat in the King James, meat for the master's use, it, it literally means ready or useful. How does God make us useful? How does he get us ready? As his hands begin to shape us into a vessel of honor, as hands begin to set us apart so that he can flow through us. I, this week, I'll share this with you before we bring things to a close, is um, uh, my next birthday, not too far away, I'll be 68. And so one of the things that happens when you get older is you, you start thinking about, well, God, I want to be of greater use to you. It's interesting that as we age as a Christian, we don't want to be of less use. We want to be of more use. And so much so that I'm weeping that morning and I, just this past week when God gave me this word. And I said, God, I, I want to be of use to you. I, I really want to be of use to me, uh, to you, Lord. And, and so he spoke to me directly into my own spirit, not an audible voice, but I I recognize when he's talking to me, and he said to me, um, you've never been of use to me. And I thought it was an insult at first. And, and then he said, so stop asking, am I of any use? And accept the truth that we are not of much use to God. The, the truth is, when God calls us unto himself, makes us vessels of honor, pours himself into us, not based upon our usefulness, not based upon our giftings, based upon his love. And so he said to me, I didn't, like Israel, I didn't choose you because I, you were more than any people, you were greater than any, I, I loved you. And, and so as I meditated on that and prayed about that, God spoke to my heart so, so sincerely, it just hit so deep in me. He said, Richard, I love you, and that gives you value. You've got to reach a place where you understand that when he called you, when he said, follow me, that put value on your life. He didn't call you because, you know, Peter, you look like you'd do good in a sword fight. He didn't call you because, you know, I might need a fish for dinner one night. It wasn't because Peter was so useful. It was because he wanted to utilize Peter's life. He wanted to take Peter and, and make him useful. So the thing is, God gives value to our life, not because that's why we're saved by grace and not by works. He gives value to our life, not because of what we've done, but because he loves us. Is there anybody in the room just wants to thank God for that? <laughs> Amen. So when you are set apart for the Lord, it's because he loves you. His great love gives you great value. And when you understand the depth of his love and grace for you, your response is, Jesus, I'm so overwhelmed by your love. I've fallen so deeply in love for you. We've become so close. I hear your heart's desire for this world. I hear your heart's beat for it. I understand why Jesus went to the cross. As I've grown closer to you and, and I've experienced your great love for me and your burden for the lost, Lord, I ask you, take my life. Shape me, make me, use me. Let me do something to fulfill your heart's desire. Let me be a part. 
You've done so much for me. You've loved me even though I was unlovable. Take me and use me for your glory and honor. And it's then that God says, I'll just pour into you and make you my habitation. And that's, that's exactly what takes place there. At 2 Timothy 2, 21 goes on to say, He shall be a vessel. So he says, I'm going to follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I will put value in you. I will put me in you. I will pour myself in you. I'll pour my righteousness. I'll pour my grace. I'll pour my patience. I'll pour my love. I'll pour my peace. My peace give I unto you. I'll put me in you. And yet, but just because I called you, you are of value to me. Because I love you. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to be useful, I can make you useful. <laughs> but that's not why I called you. Oh, what a revelation that is. I want you to stand with me real quickly. The Bible says when we are set apart for His habitation, it does it in three ways. We're called to be a living sacrifice, Romans 12 and 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Give yourself to Him. Called to be a holy temple, a habitation of God through the Spirit, Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. We're called to be a spiritual house that He inhabits and lives in, 1 Peter 2 and 5. Hallelujah. Think of that. He says, I want to move in you like I'm moving in a house. I want to, I want to live in you as a living sacrifice. I, I want to make you a habitation of, of, of me through the Spirit. I, I want to make you a temple of the living God. When people meet you, they meet a church. They meet a spiritual temple. They meet a holy vessel. They meet a habitation of God. Oh, what value He gives us. You are so priceless, child of God. You might be saying right now, am I really set apart for His habitation, His hands, His honor? I'm not special, Brother Richard. You don't understand. Doesn't God use special people, important people? No. No, He just uses people. Willing vessels. It's His presence in you that makes you valuable you aren't just important to the work of the Lord don't see yourself in service to the Lord as in I'm just important because of what I do no he loved you long before you did anything in the kingdom no he, he you're valuable to him because he just loves you when my father grew older his health began to fail. He was no longer able to physically help his children be a provider or a husband to my mother. As a matter of fact, he needed his children's help. He needed mom's help. He needed our help to eat, to dress, walk to shave I remember putting the shaving cream on his face in the VA hospital and, and dad uh, hold still and I'm trying to shave him that rough beard and wrinkled face and I'm trying to pull it as tight as I can and shave him I'm, I'm doing my best dad and this is, I, I know. And so I shaved him, wiped off. I said, man, you look great. 
he'd been through his stroke, so his speech was a little slurred. And I said, Dad, you look really good, look handsome. He said, look like you. Oh, no, I, I didn't serve him because he was a, could do something for me. No, he was of great value to me. I just loved him. And we have to reach a place in our walk with God that, God, I, I'm not doing for you and giving and serving. And I'm not doing this to gain importance with you. I doing it because you love me. I know I'm priceless to you. I'm, I'm valuable to you. I matter to you. And I may not matter to anybody else, but oh, I matter to you, Lord. So I want to give back. I, I want to serve. I want to be a vessel because you have made me, your love gave me value. You know, my wife, Teresa, and I will pray. It is uh, 10 o'clock, so we've got to go. And, but in the same way, my wife Teresa and I we've grown more and more intimate as we'll be married 46 years in June and we've grown more and more intimate not because um, I'm not talking about in a physical way because I'm aging she's still like 20 I'm not you know it's so it was such a blessing to me. She came in. I was doing my devotions, praying, weeping, and God had spoken this to my heart. And she said, she said, What's, are you okay, Richard? And I said, yeah. And I shared it with her. And I'm just bawling. And she comes over and puts her arms around me. And it was like God spoke to me again. And he said, it's the most warm thing to my heart. He said, that's the way Teresa loves you. She doesn't love you because of what you do. She loves you because she loves you. She's always loved you. 46 years, she's loved you. <laughs> Man, I held to her more tightly. And I got to tell you this. She values me more than she did in our youth. And oh, how I cherish her. Love is not based on usefulness. We've got to stop acting like the world. We don't love people based on their usefulness to us. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> love is based on value. And you are of such great value to the Lord. Can we bow our heads for prayer? Father, I pray for this congregation today. Would you help every believer in this room to understand that they are of great value to you simply because they've grown so close to you? Like Enoch of old who walked with you every day and you couldn't take it anymore, God. One day they went on their walk together, you and him. And the Bible says, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. <laughs> Lord, we, all you really want from us is us. So help us to rest in, our, in your love for us. And then our work will come out of that rest. Our work will come from a place of love. And we will find ourselves saying to you, Lord, I want to live for your honor and your hands and for your habitation. In Jesus' name. Today, if you're here and you haven't given your heart to God, I want you to just to be willing to leave behind your ways, your ideas, and your plans like the apostles did. And follow after Him. and Give yourselves to His will, way, and plan. Someone said the word faith means in its acronyms, forsaking all, I take Him. 
So are you willing by faith to leave behind your failures, your mistakes, your shortcomings, and just give yourself as you are as a vessel for Jesus to use? Right now with heads bowed in this room, we're going to pray a prayer, all of us together. And if you haven't made a commitment to Christ, pray this prayer with us, would you? Heavenly Father, one more time, Heavenly Father, I know you love me. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for the value that you have placed upon my life. I give myself to you. I walk away from my past. Forgive me and use me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us at Calvary today. The altar will be open. Our altar workers will be up here. And man, I'd love to pray with you. If you made that decision, we'll be right up here around the front. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. Be careful in the parking lot. Amen. We're just about there. Some of you might have noticed all the new lights in the lobby. And it's just glorious. The flooring is in. We're so close. still waters and restoreth my soul. When you become a believer, your spirit